Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Chiefs Wire podcast. I'm Ed Easton Jr. On today's episode, Mitch Carney, Talon Graff, and I break down the huge AFC Championship victory over the Bills and look forward to a very different Super Bowl week in Tampa. But first, as always, we start off with Chiefs Wire Managing Editor, Charles Goldman. Okay, Charles, how would you compare your excitement for this year's AFC Championship to last year's victory? You know, I'm not quite sure that it's uh, the 50 years of disappointment prior exciting like Super Bowl 54 was last year. Uh, I mean, that's just one that Chiefs fans, uh, myself included, had been waiting a lifetime for, and they never knew if they were going to see it. So that that was just a, an entirely different level uh, just to see our, our team playing in the big game, right? But now, going back again a year later, running it back, I, I think it's just a different type of excitement. Th- this is like more like optimism for the future excitement, right? Because after the win last year and in the offseason, you know, this year, there was a lot of talk about the Chiefs becoming the next NFL dynasty, right? They're the next Patriots or, or you know, so on and so forth. Well, it was a little overblown then, right? People were like, okay, let's not get let's not get too ahead of ourselves here with, with what the Chiefs are, what the Chiefs aren't. But now it's kind of creeping back into everyone's minds again. Like, if the Chiefs do run it back, if they do go back-to-back as Super Bowl champs, they've got a pretty good argument to be that team that can run the AFC for the next eight to ten years at minimum. So I think that... And then also, I mean, the excitement over just the individual matchup, right? I mean, to see Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes go at it again, uh, who, when it's all said and done, they're both going to be up there as two of the best to ever do it at the quarterback position. So to see them go at it again, you know, they've had these four matchups prior. They're both two and two. I mean, this is the, the legacy definer right here, right? I mean, I know Brady says he wants to play until he's 50, but who knows how many times these two are going to go against each other again. So, you know, if uh, if Pat wins, you know, he gets the 3-2 lead. If if uh, if uh, uh, Brady wins, he gets the, the 3-2 lead. But, I, I mean, it's just it, – it's going to be a lot of fun. And it, you can't help but be excited for the matchup and then excited for what comes after it. Uh, for for the Chiefs. I mean, it's just, uh, it's incredible the fact that they have the consistency to get back there a year later. That's just not done very often in the history of this game. Uh, there are not a lot of, of teams that had the ability to keep the players to, to have that same success two years in a row. Um, so the fact that they could do that, I mean, that, that gives you a lot of hope for the future that they can keep doing it. Uh, even even if you know the team uh, you know deals with some changes over the next couple of years, they have a lot of free agents this offseason, so on and so forth. Are you surprised at the Chiefs' defensive performance against the Bills? Yeah, I'm really not that surprised at all. Actually, uh, they did a really good job of shutting that offense down back in Week Six, and I was one of the few people not buying into the narrative that everyone was selling that. The Bills are this changed team that their offense is so much better now. I I thought their offense really hadn't changed all that much. And uh, most of the season, it proved that it was very reliant upon the connection between Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. And, you know, the Chiefs keyed in on that back in week six and took it away. And they did that again uh, this past uh, game and and took (laughs) took that connection away. And things kind of fell apart. Um, you know, we know that Cole Beasley was playing through a broken a broken leg during the game. I mean, tough guy there. But when 
when you have a, a team that's so reliant on that one connection for their offensive success, if you take it away, you know, it's just going to be a struggle. And, and that's kind of what happened. And uh, I, I feel like the secondary has really emerged as the strength of the Chiefs defense, right? They're super deep at cornerback and safety. And, and all the pieces are so interchangeable. Uh, you, you know, you have cornerbacks like like LeCherry Sneed coming in on the blitz and then, uh, you know, other guys in, in the back end picking it up in, in man coverage, picking up whoever he was supposed to cover. And that's, you know, it, that's tough. That's tough for like a safety to do that. It's tough for for guys to do that. But but the Chiefs have the athletes to do it. Um, and, and, you know, the play calling on the defensive side has also been incredible. They've been putting these guys in the right spots to make uh, make some serious plays. And uh, I, I think two of the biggest things I already said one of them one of one of their names here Legarius Sneed the emergence of Legarius Sneed at the nickel spot and then the resurgence of Juan Thornhill. I mean, starting with Sneed, I don't know if a single defender in the NFL has been as good as he has the last four weeks. He's credited with nine pressures, four sacks, three passes defended, an interception. And I think it was five tackles for loss. I mean, he's producing at insane, insane numbers uh, at a crazy pace. And he's become a big part of what the Chiefs are doing defensively to frustrate teams, whether it's in coverage or blitzing or, or all of that. And, um, you know, the fact that, that he can slide in there at the nickel spot, because earlier in the season when he was on injured reserve, it was Tyron Matthew who was playing that spot quite a bit. And um, when Sneed came back, that allowed Matthew to kind of do more of that like roaming defender type stuff that that he seems to excel at. And that's allowed him to kind of be his best player too. So Sneed emerging is helping out, you know, Matthew be a better player, I think. Uh, not to say that he's not a good nickel corner, but I think, you know, when he can kind of roam around, do all these different things, he's a lot better. And then Juan Thornhill, I mean, we all were, were – devastated right when he went down in week 17 uh last year against the los angeles chargers and i don't think there was anyone more devastated than him that he couldn't be out there with his teammates and playing during a super bowl and he spent all year trying to kind of get back to where he was and he wasn't quite there i mean we even saw the team kind of sit him down a little bit uh back toward the middle of the season and now he's looking like himself again he is fast 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 on the back end getting uh playing single high and, and he's getting to the ball uh and making plays on the ball he had a couple of near interceptions i mean he's he's able to keep up with some of these guys in man coverage which is crazy for a, a safety and um he, you know he's he's doing a lot more than he was earlier this season and yeah, remember he would have had a chance, I think, to to be kind of defensive rookie of the year last year, uh, the way he was playing, had he not been injured, had he gone on um to play in the Super Bowl. But uh I, I think it just having that range on the back end is gonna help the Chiefs so much because they like to play that cover one look. Um they like to play that cover one look, and I, I think that he'll help that out tremendously in Super Bowl 54 uh, excuse me Super Bowl 55 gosh we're on to the next one <laughs> um, but yeah I, I just uh, the defense they're playing lights out uh, I, I think they're going to have a really good performance uh, in the Super Bowl uh, I'm, I'm looking at Chris Jones man they had a tough time against him last time around and uh, they lost their, their best uh, guard I believe Ali Marpet for the season so that's going to be tough on the Bucks' offensive line. I think that the Chiefs are going to have a big advantage there, going to create some pressure in the face of Brady, which, I mean, that that's what we've learned over the years that he can't handle, right? He can handle the edge pressure and stepping up, but when you get to him in the middle there, uh, that that's when things start to unravel for him. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to that. I think it's going to be really good. The defense is going to have a chance to show out again against a, a really good football team. Do you believe the Buccaneers have a legit home field advantage in the Super Bowl? Yeah, so they really shouldn't have one, right? Uh, I mean, it'll be comfortable for them, right? They're going to be playing in their home stadium. I think they're the home team this year because the Chiefs were technically the home team last year. I think it alternates each year. So I think the NFC team, they get to be the home team. So they're going to be in their home locker room. 
Um, but as far as having uh, fans in the stands, I mean, the get-in prices for the Super Bowl are already like unnaturally high compared to other NFL games. But the limited amount of tickets this year due to the pandemic has made them just insanely overpriced. I mean, you're talking $8,500 as the minimum on the secondary market. And some tickets are as expensive as $150,000. I'm not I'm not joking. I went and I saw that. My friends over at Ticket IQ sent me a, a link. I, I went and I looked up the most expensive tickets, and they are over $100,000. It's just insane. It's absolutely insane. I don't know who would be paying for those, but won't be me. I can tell you that. Um, but it, it's not going to be the average fan attending this game, right? Uh, teams will also have their ticket allotment for staff, friends, and family. So there will be fans, like actual fans in the stand. But this is for, you know, Super Bowl is the elite game, right? Everyone uh, who's got the, the money to pay in and get in will do so. Um, but I don't think it's going to be super advantageous or disadvantageous to uh, to the Chiefs there. The NFL is pretty adamant about the Super Bowl being played at a neutral site, uh, quote unquote. So, for instance, the Bucks they typically fire off cannons when their team scores a touchdown. I don't know that they're going to be able to do that um, this year. I think the NFL might might poo-poo that, or they're going to be allowed to do it, but they'll have to do it for both the Bucks and the Chiefs when they score. So, yeah, Buccaneers might run out of cannonballs. I don't know. <laughs> but... Uh, Either way, Chiefs fans shouldn't be worried about this situation, right? Kansas City was undefeated on the road this season. They have proven time and again that they can play and win in any environment. And this is no different. Uh, it's not going to make much of a difference that it's at the Bucks' home stadium. How impressed are you with Daryl Williams' performance this postseason? You know, I always thought that he was a guy that deserved more opportunities he had a game a few years back. I want to say it was against the Chargers in 2018. It was the game that that uh, Kansas City lost on the last-minute two-point conversion. I think we all remember that one. Um, but I think he scored his first NFL touchdown in that game. And, and it was a big run up the sideline, and he kind of dove in there. Uh, and, and I was like, okay, this guy can play. This guy can play. And now, obviously, stepping up in a big way for Kansas City – uh, they had some injuries at the position there, um, and, and and he kind of carried the load in the divisional round. And, you know, 94 yards from scrimmage in this last game, follows it up with a couple carries, 54 yards, touchdown, a couple catches as well. Um, he's just a nice compliment to what they already have with uh, Clyde Edwards-Elair and Le'Veon Bell. Um, my favorite thing about him, just the way he finishes his runs, just watch him finish his runs. He gets low, he puts the shoulder, uh, into some of these defenders and he's always grinding out like, yeah, one, two, three extra yards. Uh, he's really solid as a pass catcher, pass protector, um, which, you know, in this offense, just vital, absolutely vital. And, uh, even with the report that, that Le'Veon Bell will be healthy for, for Super Bowl 55, I think Williams will still play a pretty big role in that in that game, right? I mean, we kind of saw his role developing uh, when they had the three backs, how they'd kind of go, you know, one series to Clyde, one series to Le'Veon, one series to Williams. Or, you know, they'd, they'd switch it up and do it, like, situationally, so they'd give – you know, Clyde a couple snaps, and then they throw Williams in there for, for a third down so he could pass protect or catch a pass. Or, you know, Le'Veon Bell w- would get a couple carries, and they'd do the same thing, bringing Williams in there. So I, I think that they're going to find a way to make all three of them have a role within this game. And, and I think that's important because it's going to stress out a defense, right? Because they're all kind of different styles of players. So they have to be prepared to defend against, you know, all of those guys. And I think having multiple guys like that, I mean, you want to stress out their linebackers a little bit, you know, get them matched up and, and you know, one-on-one coverage against one of those guys or get two of them, you know, moving out of the backfield um, to, to get those linebackers, you know, moving away from, from the middle of the field to open that up for, you know, maybe pass to Travis Kelsey or Tyree Kill, quick slant. 
stuff like that. I mean, uh, it, it can be vital uh, in, in a big game here against a team that has, you know, kind of pretty tough run defense. Um, and, and, you know, a, a team that, that really, they kind of slowed down the running game for, for Kansas City quite a bit in that first matchup. So uh, that'll be interesting to see how that kind of works out in this game uh, coming up here in Super Bowl 55. And as always, are there any particular stories from Chiefs Wire you would like to highlight from the past week? Yeah, obviously we have a, a ton of stuff breaking down the Chiefs' win over the Bills in the AFC title game. Um, there's a bunch on the website about the Chiefs' plans at the offensive tackle position, given the season-ending Achilles injury for uh, left tackle Eric Fisher. Just awful, awful injury. Feel really bad for Fish. He's a great guy. I had an interview with him uh, this offseason. And he actually, in that interview, he told me, you know, about how tough it was missing out uh, last season. He had midseason surgery, I believe, on a groin injury. He missed out a big chunk of last season, but came back for the Super Bowl run and whatnot. And, um, you know, I, I have no doubt in my mind that he's going to be able to come back from this. Obviously, Achilles injury is really tough for, for anybody to come back from. It's a little tougher on the big guys. It can take a little longer, and you know where his injury was at that the end of the season. Here, you know, you don't know that he's going to be ready to start start the season. It's very unlikely that he'd be ready to start the twenty twenty one season. Um, but yeah, I, I recently broke down the uh, three potential offensive line combinations that the team could could roll with: Sands, Eric Fisher. Um, so check that out. We've got. Uh, some more preview content coming for, for Super Bowl 55 very soon. There will be a little Senior Bowl content uh, this weekend for the NFL Draft Addicted members of Chiefs Kingdom as well. Um, as always, we appreciate you guys tuning in and reading the website. This season has been absolutely incredible. But uh, as Patrick Mahomes and Kobe Bryant would say, job's not finished. So uh, let's uh, let's get out there and celebrate uh, our AFC title game win and and turn our focus real quick to uh, the Buccaneers and Super Bowl 55. Go Chiefs! For more information on this story and others, head over to ChiefsWire.com and we'll give you all the details you need on the Kansas City Chiefs. Coming up next, the Chiefs Wire Podcast Roundtable. Chiefs Wire Podcast. We are back. It is that time. It is time for the Chiefs Wire Roundtable, and it's a a celebratory Chiefs Wire Roundtable. Yes, this is this is not the big celebration, but it is still a celebration because the Chiefs once again are going back to the Super Bowl, back to back AFC champions. Mitch Carney, Talon Graf, guys, how are you feeling right now? Yeah, it didn't. I mean, it's crazy how much can change from one year to the other. Like last year, it was so emotional, and you know, even getting the Super Bowl, it all felt like so surreal. But now it's like, no, there's still work to be done. Like I feel like the entire fan base is still just like, nope, nope. There's still one more game. Like this is awesome, but we're not done. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, going into the season, it was all about winning another Lombardi Trophy. I mean, last year, like, hey, we were just trying to make it to the Super Bowl. Like that was a good step, but I mean, initially says how good this team is that, hey, it's Super Bowl robust. That's all that really matters. But, you know, I think as Chiefs fans, we need to kind of take a step back and just think about where this team was, you know, a decade ago or not even just six years ago. You know, this team was, you know, you know, not very good for a long time. And just now we're like one of the, the best teams in NFL history. So I, I think we need to take, take, take a step back and just be, you know, really glad that we've made it to two Super Bowls in a row. But, yeah, just like what Talon said, the job's not done yet. It's Super Bowl robust. It's a business-like approach. You know, last year it was all the emotions of 50 years. And, and this year it's more like handling business because this team is a favorite. And you, you kind of just want to just, you know, do what you have to do, run it back, get that second straight title. But uh, it's still a great feeling at the end of the day. I mean – Everyone, Kansas City, uh, Chiefs Kingdom, this is such a great moment. So still enjoy the moment. But there is a little, a little salt to throw in there in regards to this game because, yes, they are in the Super Bowl. But in essence, they're playing a, another road game uh, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers being the host city. 
I just I'm curious as to how you guys what do you guys think of that whole situation with the Buccaneers being technically not I, I don't know what's the right way to say it. They are the home team in a Super Bowl. Uh, Mitch, I want to start with you. Um, I mean, yeah, I think that gives the Bucs a little bit of some type of advantage, but the Chiefs also were in Tampa earlier this season and they didn't have any problems beating the Bucs then. I know it's a bigger game and all that, um, but I don't think Tampa, does ha- Tampa is having their fans come in. I think the NFL is having is having like a, some uh, medical people come in or, uh, you know, some first responders come in to get, I don't know the, the entire details on that. I don't think the Bucks are having any fans, at least I might be wrong on that, but either way, I don't think it's going to affect the Chiefs too much. This is just the Super Bowl to them, you know. Um, I don't think they're looking at the Bucks as the home team right now. I think, you know, both of these teams are going into just knowing, hey, this is the, the biggest game of the year. So um, I don't think it'll affect the game too much. Yeah, it, it just kind of is what it is. Uh, you know, what What are the odds of, you know, the team that has their home stadium hosting the Super Bowl making it to the Super Bowl? Obviously not great because it's the first time in history. Uh, but you know what? I think it's just another just just another hurdle or, you know, even, even if you want to call it a hurdle, but just another, you know, piece of adversity going in the face of the Chiefs. But they've, they've overcome adversity all season, and uh, they're going to continue to do so. It's going to be a good game. It's Tom Brady. It's the playoffs. It's the Super Bowl. It's their home stadium. It's, you know, all this stuff. But, um, yeah, it's, I think the Chiefs are definitely the favorites, and I think they should be. Yeah, they are the favorites. But uh, like, speaking of adversity, um, one of the biggest storylines heading into the AFC title game was the health of Patrick Mahomes. As we know, later in the week he did get cleared, and he looked amazing on Sunday. Were you guys at all surprised at how well he played after dealing with the concussion protocol and, and also the toe injury? I'm telling him to start with you. No, no, I wasn't really surprised. I, I knew Patrick was going to – well, not new, but I, I really expected Patrick to come in and ball out like he did. Um, the concussion thing, it, the whole thing is weird to me. I still, I'm still not convinced it was an actual concussion. I think there's you know, more to the story or less to the story if you, you know, want to go that route. But whatever it was, he's out of protocol. He seemed to practice most of the week. So, yeah, I think it was just kind of business as usual, and it was just jumping through the hoops of the protocol that was the biggest story there. So I think – um, coming into the game, he was pretty healthy. But, yeah, the toe issue, I'm glad he, you know, that didn't seem to hinder him at all. Uh, so, yeah, I was, I was pleased but not necessarily surprised. Yeah, he looked really good. I'm glad, uh, you know, his, his toe is feeling better, and I'm, I'm really glad that his head's in the right spot right now. Uh, but, I mean, he just, he just looked really comfortable out there. I mean, it looked like the stage just wasn't too big for him. I mean, he's been there three times now. Um, you know, I don't think he was hurting at all. He, I think that was maybe one of the best games we've seen from Mahomes. He just he, he just looked like this was another game to him. So I'm really impressed by his by his performance. And speaking of the stage being not being too big, it seemed like you know throughout the I would say the first three quarters, the stage was seemed a little too big for Josh Allen and even Stephon Diggs for, to an extent. They never really seemed in sync until maybe the end of the game. But uh, what, do you think this is more for the Chiefs' defense as opposed to the Bills' offense just not stepping up? Mitch, what do you think? Um, I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, I do think, you know, the Bills are over their heads just a little bit. Um, I mean, I think they're still a year away from, re- from really being true Super Bowl contenders. But this Chiefs' defense is getting really hot, and they did, they did this last year also. It seemed like growing up into the Super Bowl, they just got better and better and better. And this year, they've done the exact same thing. They played a really good game last week. They, you know, gave Allen a lot of problems in the backfield. They feel, I feel like they're just, like, really confusing him. They just did some really good things. And I really feel like next week going against Tom Brady and the Bucks, which is going to be a tough game, um, I do think that they're going to do a lot of things to, you know, make Brady's life uh, really hard. So um, they just keep continue to get better and better and better. And it seems like they, they – they make sure that, you know, by the end of the season, they're playing their best football, and you can really see that right now. Yeah, I think a combination of the defensive line and how well they played and putting pressure on uh, Josh Allen and uh, and the play of Juan Thornhill. And I know he wasn't directly covering Stephon Diggs, but, man, Juan Thornhill played excellent in the AFC Championship, and he was all over the field. He looked explosive. He looked like the pre-injury Juan Thornhill 
that I know we've all been waiting to see and hopefully, you know, hoping to see. And it, it looks like he's back to full health. He looks like he's, um, you know, playing with confidence, playing with uh, instincts and, and all that stuff. So, yeah, Juan Thornhill's play, the, the, everybody just seems to be playing their best ball, kind of like what Mitch was saying. Everybody's peaking at the right time. Chris Jones was lights out. We're finally seeing playoff Frank. Um, he's coming alive at the right time. Um, so yeah, just the whole unit, man, they're playing so well and, and, and they're definitely a fun group to watch and especially come playoff time, they seem to know when to, when to turn it on. I agree. And I, there was a little, a little scare in the beginning of the game because the chiefs did fall behind and this is something they, they kind of gotten used to in regards to the playoffs. But with McCool Hardman, I, I don't even know how to explain that fumble off of the uh, punt return. What were you guys thinking uh, immediately when you saw that happen? Talon, what do you think? Uh, my initial reaction was just anger at, at McCall Hardman and frustration, of course, all that stuff. But then after, you know, a few seconds, was, I think just the fan and the coach side of me came up, but God, that, that, that guy's hurting right now. Like, he's done this before. This is the biggest moment of the season so far. And, uh, and the team has continued to trust him. So I know, I, I know he knew the way to that. But just seeing the, the reaction of his teammates, especially Kelsey and Mahomes, the leadership of those guys, they didn't let him stay down. They picked him up, which is what teammates were supposed to do. And the coaching staff kept their trust in him uh, and those two big plays, a touchdown and that 50-yard run. So obviously the staff put their faith in him and um, it, it lifted him back up. And I love to see a team rally around a guy like that. And, and yeah, there's plenty of people, you know, cursing him out and stuff, but but the, the guys in the field and the guys that go to battle with them on a day-to-day basis, they, they stuck by him, and, and it came through, and he came through for them. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody was a little frustrated with him, you know, muffing that punt. But I think McCall Hardman gets a bad rap, and I think we, we're even guilty on that on that podcast. You know, we expect so much out of him. Um, but the dude's still a very young player. He's still got a lot to, a lot to learn. I mean, we can't expect him to beat Tyreek Hill right away. But um, – I think it was very good that he was able to get involved. Uh, you know, Andy Reid and Eric Bieni were able to get him some plays called on that next drive, and he was able to make an impact, so he was able to get over it pretty quickly. But, I mean, the dude's, the dude's got to learn a little bit. To, you know, he's got you know he's got to improve on that a little bit, but the dude's just a young player, and he'll improve, and I think we just need to, you know, kind of take a step back because, you know, the dude's going to get better. But um, I wasn't very worried at that moment. I, we've seen the Chiefs come back from double-digit leads. So even though that happened, I wasn't very worried at all. It was definitely an odd moment. But you actually brought up Tyreek Hill, who uh, in that game uh, broke the franchise record for most receiving yards in a playoff game, over 170 receiving yards. What is it with Tyreek Hill with these big games? And, and it's, you know, we, the, the talk all week leading up to it was the physical Bills defense but he had no answer for Tyreek Hill or, Tra- or Travis Kelsey in the game. Mitch, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I think Tyreek Hill's come out and, you know, he's definitely a top five wide receiver in the, in the NFL. Now, I don't know how it's not – how this is debatable. Like, the dude has played, you know, lights out all season long. Um, he always comes up big in these games. Um, so, the dude is just a phenomenal player. His route running, his speed – He's just a perfect weapon for Patrick Mahomes. And along with Travis Kelsey, like, that's just a perfect trio. Um, I mean, for what he's playing with on his contract right now, the Chiefs got him at a bargain, and I'm super happy he's on this team. Um, you know, he really could go down as a Hall of Famer along with Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes if he keeps this level of play up. Yeah, like, this is, you know, greatest show on turf, um, you know, territory when you talk about Kelsey Hill and Mahomes and and you know emphasis on Hill the game he had is kind of come to be expected which is just mind-boggling because it is so uh the stat line is so eye-popping um but man Tyreek is so explosive he's just the total package at receiver uh his acceleration his speed he's dangerous in the screen game he's dangerous in the intermediate game and he's ultra dangerous in the deep game so it's like he no matter what you're doing defensively they're going to find ways to get him the ball and make him dangerous because there's not really a way to shut him down totally because he's just so versatile he can do so many things and so many routes and um it's just it is what it is and and defenses try to slow him down but when you have hill as 
you know, versatile as he is, plus Kelsey, dude, <laughs> I mean, you see it every week. It's just it, teams don't know what to do. And uh, when you when you try to take away one, there's the other one, you, and vice versa. So, And then you got playmakers behind him that can do, you know, you know minor damage here and there. So it's, it's really just uh, a treat to watch every week. It definitely is a treat to watch. And obviously so much attention is paid to those two guys that you almost forget about the running game. And, and you know, we talked about Clyde Edwards-Alaire coming back after the injury, but Daryl Williams has really carried the load at running back. Talon, how, how are you feeling about Daryl Williams being the guy to go to, even in the Super Bowl coming up? I love it. I love it. I feel like this guy's just kind of been lurking in the shadows this whole season. Uh, you know, at the beginning of the season, it was CEH, but Daryl Williams is right behind him. And Le'Veon Bell comes in, and he gets a lot of the attention uh, and splitting carries with CEH. Well, Daryl Williams was still kind of in the mix. He was still getting touches. And then, you know, guys start getting hurt. Well, who comes through? Daryl Williams. Come playoff time. Who steps up? Darryl, it's, it seems to be this has been his fate all season to where when the, the all the chips are down – in the biggest moments of the season, Daryl Williams is the guy in the backfield, and he's the guy that's going to be toting the rock. I think that says a lot about the character of the guy. I think that says a lot about uh, his work ethic and, 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 and the development of his uh, talents has really been fun to watch, especially this season. And I, I think there's big things for him. I think he's going to stick around because uh, he's such a good between-the-tackle runner, but he's also really good in space uh, and in the passing game as well. So I, I think he's a really good fit. Yeah, I think Daryl's been great this season. Uh, I'm not going to say he's as talented as, you know, a prime Le'Veon Bell or even a Clyde Edwards-Hiller right now, but the dude does a really good job whenever he's on the field. He plays really hard. He runs really hard. Um, it looks like he knows the playbook very well. So, I mean, the Chiefs are very comfortable with him being that number one back if Clyde still isn't 100%. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty confident that he's going to be able to get the job done. I mean, I think this dude has potential to be a number one back on a, on a possibly another team, or maybe if the Chiefs, you know, decide to maybe, you know, start getting him more involved in the offense in, you know, in the next few seasons. But uh, the dude's been phenomenal, and uh, uh, you know, I could see him having a pretty big game against the Bucks uh, in the Super Bowl. Now, you guys mentioned earlier about Frank Clark. This is playoff Frank Clark in terms of the production. Uh, he had two huge sacks in the game. What do you think is uh, just what what type of switch you know changes for uh, Frank Clark during the playoffs because he's an absolute monster in regards to the offensive line trying to deal with him. Mitch, can you give us some insight on what makes Frank Clark so great during the playoffs? Yeah, uh, first I want to say I think people give Frank a little too much harsh. Uh, you know, they're a little hard on him during the regular season. The dude does a lot more than what people think, you know. He may not be getting sacks, but he's a fantastic run defender. Um, I think he's doing more than what people think. But the dude just has another level in the playoffs, and I think that's because, you know, he knows, hey, this is when it really matters. So he's just able to turn that switch on. And, uh, you know, I think he, I think a lot of people have talked about, hey, I mean, the playoffs is what matters. Like, the regular season doesn't matter. Like, this is trying to get, to the, this is trying to get there, you know, let's try to get that number one seed. Uh, you know, this team's good enough that they should be able to do that, even if Frank Clark isn't playing his best. But, you know, I think he, he's, a, he's a competitor and he's a winner. He wants to win the Super Bowl. So he, he knows what's at stake. And he just, you know, I think something comes out of him to where he just, he just, he just wants to play harder and he just gets the job done and he's able to get to the quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, I can't sit here and tell you what it is. I wish I knew, but whatever it is, I like it and whatever it is, you need, you know, it's working, especially you know, at least in the playoffs. But yeah, like Mitch said, he, he does get scrutinized and, and I'm definitely one to do that. I've kind of been hard on him all season. He hadn't been impressive to me all season, but I know he does other stuff and uh, it's not all about stat line. And that's, you know, of course, but um, yeah, playoff Frank man uh, is definitely a guy I love to see come alive. And when he does, it, ma it makes his defense so much harder to, uh, to be successful against because when you have two elite guys like Chris Jones and Frank Clark, when he turns it on, I mean, both of those guys coming at you, uh, it, it makes everybody else's job that much easier uh, when you have that much focus right there at the line of scrimmage. And it, it just, it, it's hard for an offense to do really anything when the line of scrimmage keeps getting collapsed time and time again. And when you have stars like Clark and Jones with the depth behind them, man, it just makes for a killer playoff defense. Definitely agree with that. Now, I don't want to go too into the matchup in regards to the Super Bowl because we're going to have another week for that. 
And um, I'm pretty sure our next show is going to be all about the different individual matchups, the coaching matchups, et cetera. But I do want to profile a little bit about the Buccaneers going into this, going into this game. Uh, the Buccaneers picked up the huge win in Green Bay on Sunday. I don't know if you guys caught some of it, but Tom Brady seems like he's, he's got that, that mojo back that he had with the, with the Patriots. Yes, he threw a couple of interceptions to end that game, but to begin, like that first half, he was on fire. What do you think has changed with Tom Brady from the last time the Chiefs met them to where he is, where, to where he's at right now? And uh, Talon, what do you think? I think uh, either he's gotten more comfortable in the offense or he's gotten more control of the offense. One thing or, or the other. And, uh, you know, I think it's more he's gotten more control of it. Uh, Bruce Arians may have less, you know, kind of letting up the reins and let Tom Brady kind of do his thing out there and, um, you know, call his own shots so to speak. And I think that's, you know, you know, I don't know if, how much that was going on against the chiefs. Uh, wasn't that long ago, but whatever they're doing now, whatever uh, they've been doing the past few weeks is definitely working uh, for Tampa Bay. And they're, they're looking, you know, definitely dangerous on offense. And, uh, and everybody knows about that defense already, how fast they are and, and, uh, and, and how they can get to the quarterback. So definitely a, a scary team. And, and anytime you see Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. You know, you expect him to be hard to beat because, well, obviously he has been. Yeah, not too much I can add to that. But, you know, Tom Brady's like one of those quarterbacks is like it's over his dead body. Like you never want to count him out of the game. Um, he's going to do whatever it, whatever it takes to win the Super Bowl. So, um, you know, this is going to be a tough game. Uh, the Chiefs, excuse me. Uh, Tom Brady, it looks like he's just throwing the ball down. You know, he's got his confidence up a little bit, even though he's maybe throwing some interceptions. You know, he still takes those shots, takes those chances. Um, so I, he's going to be competitive, and it should be a, a really good game between two really good quarterbacks. Oh, it definitely will be. And I'm just reflecting a little bit on the NFC title game and just the way the Buccaneers were able to pretty much – let's be honest, it was an upset, you know, beating Green Bay – uh, all the momentum they had. Aaron Rodgers most likely will be named the regular season MVP. You know, I'm sorry, everybody. I know everybody wants Mahomes, but Aaron Rodgers had an amazing uh, regular season. Just the way they were able to pull it out, and the defense stepped up big time. JPP made a lot of big plays for the Bucks defense. Let's take a look on that side. What do you think has changed in regards to the hunger on the uh, the Bucks defensive side? Because they they've won all these games on the road. On the you know on the road back home I should say to the Super Bowl Mitch what do you think? Yeah I think you know they're kind of similar to the Chiefs I mean they're they're really getting hot now you know they're playing some really good football uh, they're able to get to the quarterback they got a really strong front four um, so I think that's going to be the biggest key to them is just if they're able to get to Patrick Mahomes but I mean they've been playing some really good football and I, you know they are. I don't think this is going to be a super high-scoring game. I think both of these defenses are going to, you know, come out to play. But, um, you know, they've just been playing very well. And uh, they uh, they should give the Chiefs some problems. Yeah, on the defense, man, those those pass rushers they have, they've, they've, start, they've started to come alive a little bit. You know, Shaq Barrett, JPP, like you said, Ed. Um, and then, uh, uh, my word, the other one they got, the, the, the veteran. Um, but anyway. Talk about Sue? Yes, thank you. Yes. <laughs> My word. But, uh, but yeah, the, so their defensive line and those pass rushers have really, you know, heck, they got to Rodgers five times and, and JPP and, and uh, Barrett got all of them. It was, you know, one had three, the other had two. So those two have been just killer, and they were definitely a big part of the, the win in Green Bay. But, uh, yeah, the, the, the Tampa Bay offense seems to be clicking right. The, the offensive line is playing well. They're not, like, the best running team around, but they have two very durable running backs. And, and Leonard Fournette and and, uh, and Ronald Jones, so they have dangerous running threats. And then, of course, Tom Brady uh, and and his you know plethora of, of pass catchers. Right, Mike Evans is is playing uh, well right now. Chris Godwin has, has struggled with drop passes this season, but he seemed to you know still have the trust that Tom Brady you know has in his receivers. So um, yeah, all around they, they've earned the right to be in the Super Bowl and. I think they, you know, they had a tough road to get there, but now they uh, get to, you know, not travel, stay in their homes, and, uh, you know, enjoy the spoils of the Super Bowl right there in their own backyard. 
Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And, you know, you got to give a special shout out to Todd Bowles on, as a defensive coordinator for the Bucs. He did an amazing job just uh, getting into Aaron Rodgers' head because that, that was a very odd game if people have watched the uh, Packers all year and the way they performed, especially late in the fourth quarter. Now, because we're going into a Super Bowl week that's unlike any other due to um, everything going on with the pandemic, what do you think is running through the coaching staff and the players' minds as they prepare and they have this extra week, which is usually filled, you know, filled with different festivities, um, uh, fun conversations with the media, but everything's going to be virtual. Everything's going to be, you know, not the same. Do you think that's going to affect the mindset going into such a big game like this because there are a, very, a, a limited amount of people around and it's not as festive as it usually should be? Talon, what do you think? No, I don't think it's going to have that much effect, um, if any at all. You know, this whole season's been virtual, right? This has been we're, we're living in a virtual world right now, effectively, and and you know, you just ex- you've, we've come to expect it that big events and, and and marquee moments are going to be not like they're normally have been, um, and the Super Bowl is going to be no different. It's uh, I think everybody just kind of knows. It is what it is right now. So, no, I, I don't think people are going to be caught off guard by it. I think we've been through this uh, enough now to where it's like the, the, the newness has wore off and it's just like, well, yeah, I mean, here, you know, it's it's something else that's going to be different. But, um, you know, it is what it is. And it's still the Super Bowl and it's still going to be a really good game. Yeah, I think uh, I think not much is going to change. I do think it's going to allow the players to maybe focus a little bit more on the game. Yeah, they're still going to have to do some virtual stuff like that. But for the most part, they're going to be able to stay home, you know, stay at the facilities, you know, and watch film and get prepared for that game. So I think, you know, this allows both teams to just kind of get more ready, you know, and watch more film, get, you know, just like I just said, they're going to be more prepared and more ready for the game. So um, it should be interesting on, you know, on how both of these teams come out and, you know, and what they're able to do, you know, especially in that first quarter. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's going to be a lot more preparation time, probably a lot less play because it's not much you could do. You want to stay safe. You want to make sure you're available heading into the Super Bowl. So I can see both coaches, both owners on, on each side just saying, hey, let's, let's be very conservative. Let's, you know, only go to practice, go straight to the hotel. It's going to be that different type of feel. So I'm curious to see how the players react and, and how they adjust to everything. But uh, before we uh, wrap up, I guess I got to ask the other big question because it is the Super Bowl and, you know, you're going to have some sort of version of a festivity. What do you guys think of the halftime show? It's going to be the weekend this year. I don't know if you guys are, are real big music, you know, uh, music followers here. But, Mitch, any thoughts on the weekend as the halftime show for the Super Bowl? I personally am not a huge weekend fan. I do like a couple of his songs. Uh, I got a lot of friends that are excited for it. But, you know, I've never really been the type of person to watch the Super Bowl for the halftime show. Usually I'm not paying too much attention. So hopefully it's good. Um, but, yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, I like I like a couple of his songs. But I probably won't be paying too much attention because I'll just be too focused on what's going on in the game. Yeah, I, that's just not my style of music, so I'm, I'm, I don't really know much about them. But I do have a few friends that are super excited, so I know, and they're big fans. So I, you know, whatever he does, and uh, for fans of his music, I think he must be pretty good. Um, I'm sure it'll be a good show. The Super Bowl halftime shows are usually done pretty well and um, pretty entertaining, and you know, it's usually time for me. Uh, I don't really pay much attention like Mitch and I'm kind of up doing, you know, whatever, grabbing some extra snacks or you know, whatever. Uh, that's my time to talk to other people, but. Uh, you know, yeah, it's, uh, I think a lot of people are excited for it. So that's, that's good. You don't have a favorite all time, uh, performance at all. Neither one of you guys. Uh, bro, I don't even know if I could <laughs> name them. I, 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 I don't know. I, I know the funny answer, but I'm not going to say it. But. <laughs> I mean, Oh, I know. I know what the answer you're going to go with. I, I think we're on the same wavelength with that one, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. the PG show, you know, this is a PG show. <laughs> So we'll keep everyone uh, to use their imagination on that one. But uh, it's always an uh, interesting, interesting time. You're going to see some funny commercials. Can we at least end off with at least a funny commercial all time from the Super Bowl? Mitch, do you have one that just always sticks out to you that you watched during whatever Super Bowl it was that was like the funniest commercial you've ever seen? 
I don't remember what Super Bowl it was or what year it was, but I don't really quite remember everything about it. But I just remember uh, somebody said about how Tebow, uh, Tim Tebow couldn't do something or do like something on the football field. So I think he like started doing a bunch of stuff like off field and it was like him like saving puppies and it was like a couple of different commercials. And I don't know, I just thought that one was really funny because I'm low key a Tim Tebow fan. I just, I just think it's funny this Tebow time. So I've just seen him doing a commercial and like saving puppies and doing these other stuff was pretty funny to me. That's one of my favorite ones. Yeah, I'm a big Betty White fan. So the year she had her, I forget what it was. I think it was, uh, yeah, the dance. Yeah. Didn't she like, she was playing football. Wasn't that a Super Bowl commercial? It was, it was. Uh, yeah. I've, whatever the product was there, but yeah, I, that, that one was always one of my favorites because she was uh, just so funny seeing her like get tackled and stuff, but I love Betty White, man. She's great. You know what? This It's always tough to pick them, but um, I, I've always been a, a fan of Doritos. I think Doritos always comes out with like a weird type of commercial. Um, The one that they did come out with, I, I feel like it was got to be well over five years ago, but they played it so so many times that people forgot that it premiered during the Super Bowl. But it was the one where the kid said he has this time machine and, you know, he's like, oh, if you can, um, if you want to use it, you just got to give me your Doritos. So the kid does like the fake noises. The kid, the guy goes in the box and I guess the owner of the house like runs the kid off, but he's wearing the same clothes as the kid and everything. So when the guy comes out, he actually thinks he's in the future. Yeah, dude, that one is good. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was funny. It was just like, it was real creative, but people forget it came out during the Super Bowl because they played it so many times after that. So it's uh, little things like that. You know, it, it's what makes the Super Bowl different from every other game. So it, it is the, the pageantry and all of it. And uh, once again, if you have any thoughts on your favorite moments, whether the performances or um, commercials, like we were saying, just tweet us at the Chiefs Wire or on Facebook as well and uh, share your thoughts and we'll go from there. But uh, guys, next week we're talking straight football. We're talking about two of the top teams in the league and we're possibly talking about the Chiefs running it back, back-to-back Super Bowl champions. So um, rest up because next week's going to be a big show. All right, guys? Sounds good. (laughs) All right, man. We be ready. You guys are amped. I can tell. But uh, until next week, Mitch Cardi, Telegraph, I'm Ed Easton Jr. Go Chiefs. It's all about team, man. Um, long as we stay committed to the team, long as we stay committed to our process, um, continuing to trust our coaches, believe in those guys, um, everything else will take care of itself. Um, it's not really about, you know, individually how we feel. Um, the only thing that matters at the end of the day is whether you won or lost the game. Um, so, um, obviously, it was a great win for us. Um, uh, job not done, though. We got one more game to go. Um, and so we'll be ready for it. Let's go next to Jory Epstein. Go ahead, Jory. Aaron, obviously y'all have time to prepare for Tampa, but Brett Veach talks specifically about how your leadership gives him confidence in this defense. What gives you the most confidence about why y'all are ready for Brady and the Bucks? It's all about preparation. Um, it's all about, um, you know, the information that you're able to take in and then take it to the field. Um, it's all about um, understanding um, and believing in your coaches, um, all about believing in their plan, the game plan. Um, and, and then from there, it's all about us going out there, trying to execute that game plan. And, um, you know, you're not always in the best position. Sometimes, you know, we got to go above the X's and O's to make a play. But, um, you know, it's all about team. It's all about our coaches. Go next to Herbie T.O.P. Go ahead, Herbie. Hey, Tyron. During the week, you had mentioned how dangerous these Bills receivers were, but it seems like there was a concerted effort today to take away Stefan Diggs. What went into the plan to take away Diggs? Well, I, I, I felt like for the most part, um, you know, we ran our, you know, same defense that, that we've been running, um, you know, for the last couple of weeks or so. Um, obviously, you know, he's a great receiver. So, you know, great receivers require you to double them from time to time. Um, but at the end of the day, I thought, you know, I thought Traverius Ward, I thought Rashard Breeland, um, Rashad Fenton, Jerry Sneed, you know, Dan Sorensen was covering wide receivers today. Um, so I kind of, you know, I had a day off in my mind. Um, so, um, you know, it's good to see those guys step up, you know, and win their one-on-one matchups. Um, um, and that's what it's all about, man. It's all about technique. It's all about leverage um, and just making the plays that come to you. 
We'll take three more, Adam, Nate, and then Vahe. Go ahead, Adam. Hey, Tyron, a couple things. Uh, first of all, Pat, he had a lot to overcome this week. When did you know, not that he was just going to play, but that he was going to play as well as he did today? And Brad, I'll have one follow-up as well. <laughs> I knew I knew after the last game, you know, when he was in the locker room, and, you know, he had that look in his eye like, don't forget about me. Um, so, uh, you know, he's a great talent, man. He, he's a better teammate. Um, he's a better person. Um, just watching him work throughout the week, um, he was the same old Pat. You know, he's the same teammate, same leader. Uh, moving around, trying to extend plays, even in practice. Um, so uh, then on top of that, he's a gamer. So it doesn't necessarily matter the situation or the circumstances. Um, you know, he tends to rise above all of that. I'm curious what your real ex realistic expectations were when you signed here. Did you think that you weren't just going to get a shot at a Super Bowl and a championship, but maybe uh, multiple Super Bowls and maybe multiple championships? I didn't, I didn't, you know, to be honest, man, obviously, you know, you have big time dreams, you have big time goals. Um, obviously, you know, it was a great football team before I got here. You obviously, you want to compete for a championship, but the only expectation I had, man, was to come in and, you know, show the guys who I am, you know, day to day. Um, and so it's two years later and, you know, I mean, practice, you know, still means the most to me. You know, game day is just a, it's, it's fun, but, you know, for me, it's all about practice. It's all about how I prepare and how I get my teammates prepared. So, um, but I probably say, you know, that was my only expectation, man, was to come in here, work hard, understanding that, you know, we had a great team, a great coaching staff, and a lot of those things take care of themselves. We'll go last to Nate Taylor. Go ahead, Nate. Hey, Tyron, I know you guys are back-to-back -back champions and you've won 24-25 before today, but was there a sense in the locker room that guys were still motivated by some naysayers out there that were obviously either picking the bills or weren't confident that you guys had the chance to go back to Super Bowl based on, you know, winning close games instead of, you know, the traditional blowout that you had tonight? I mean, obviously, man, you know, we live in a social media world and, you know, TVs are always on. Some places got 30 TVs in, in one building, you know. So, you know, you hear a lot, you see a lot. Um, I think at the end of the day for us, man, it's all about team. It's all about whether or not we're committed to each other. Um, it's not necessarily about any outside noise. Um, just looking through the locker room, looking around the locker room, um, you know, everybody believes in each other. You know, it doesn't matter if it's Pat Mahomes out there or Chad Henney. Uh, it doesn't matter if we're throwing a deep ball to Tyreek Hill or, you know, Demarcus Robinson. I think in everybody's mind, it's our play to make. So, um, you know, it's just good to have that bond. It's good to have that chemistry, man. Um, I think that's what keeps, you know, great teams going, you know, is that commitment to, to one another. For everyone at Chiefs Wire, we'd like to thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Make sure to follow us on social media at Chiefs Wire for more information. I'm Ed Easton Jr. Check us out next time. Mm -hmm.